Welcome to church today. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. I want to thank everybody for coming today. I want to thank everybody that's watching us online right now. Thank you so much for tuning in and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. <clears throat> All right. Hey, we are, we were, are in a series, a very long series called World vs. Uh, the Word. Uh, we're putting that on pause this morning uh, because I believe that the Holy Spirit wants me uh, to share a message with us as a church as we are in what is called a season of change. We're in a season of transition uh, as, a, as a church. And uh, many of you know, if you're brand new uh, to Passionate Life Church, and we have a lot of uh, new people every uh, single Sunday, uh, this is uh, what I call welcome to the living room conversation, okay? Uh, we're a family here at Passionate Life Church, and so uh, welcome into uh, the living room. And uh, this, this message can apply uh, wherever you're at in your life, because uh, we come in and out of different seasons, and, and this is, as our church, we're, we're coming into a season of, of change, and if you remember uh, me preaching, uh, 5784 is the Hebrew uh, year that we, were, we started in September, and it's the year of the door. And God is transitioning us in a, as a church into uh, a new door. And um, change can, can, can be uh, scary. Change can, can be, uh, change can be changed. You know what I'm saying, right? Um, and some of us, some of you like change. Some of you don't like, like change. Um, but I just truly believe that the Holy Spirit is in this and, and helping us, will help us transition and, and heal through this season. Uh, many of you got the email uh, this week about uh, Pastor Lismar, and, and uh, we released her this, this week, and uh, she's also my sister-in-law, and so this has been a very hard and difficult season. Uh, I'm personally uh, hurt um, and sad uh, by this, but I know that this is the right decision uh, for our church, and it might not feel like that now, uh, but I know later on we'll see and know that this was the right decision uh, for our church. And uh, listen, this is why God has, has appointed me and anointed me uh, to lead this church. And And listen, Don and, I, Don and I love you, and we're here for you. We have amazing leaders. If you have any questions, and, and uh, man, if you just need prayer today, I want to encourage you to get prayer. Uh, we're here. We'll, we'll, we'll help you process through this. Uh, what we won't do is make private conversations public, okay? Uh, we're, we're not going to get into the slander or, or the gossip, and, and, um, and if you have been part of the slander and the gossip about me and our, and our church, I would just ask that, uh, that you would repent and, and ask God to, to forgive you. And man, God's grace is efficient and, and God's uh, grace is abundant. And, but if you are someone who is, is doing the gossip and in the slandering and you're getting on the phone and you're talking to people about this church or, or about me, um, I just want to let you know that this church does not belong to me. It belongs to Jesus. Yeah. 
And so when we talk about his, his bride, we're, we're talking about Jesus' bride. And, and, and the reason why so many people across America, not just in, in, in this community, but across America, find it so easy to tear down pastors and tear down churches is because there's no fear of the Lord. And we, we look at the example of David and Saul. And, and David refused to touch Saul, and Saul was awful. He tried to kill him multiple times. But David said, I'm not going to touch God's, God's anointed. And that's why David was a man after God's own heart, because he feared the Lord. Now listen, I am not a perfect pastor. I say things that I shouldn't say. I do things that I shouldn't do. I have delayed obedience in, in, in my life. And, but this is my promise to you, that uh, I will strive to continue to get better, to grow to be all that God has called me to be for, for this church because, listen, there is no plan B for me, okay? You are stuck with me. <laughs> if you want to be stuck with me, okay? And so I just want to lead us through uh, just getting what, what God is doing in, in this season of change because Here's the thing. God doesn't lead us into a season of difficulty for us to lose. And, and maybe you're there today. Maybe you're, you're, you're in a season of change and, and difficulty. He leads us into difficulty so we can discover the victory. We serve a God of, of victory. No matter what you're going through today, your problem, your issue, your struggle, God is bigger than that. Come on, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you. God, we thank you for this moment. God, I thank you that this is your church. I thank you that these are your people. God, I thank you that you called them by name. I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you open our hearts, that you'd open our minds to your eternal word, God. God, that you are close to the brokenhearted. God, that all of us need healing in some place in our hearts and our minds, and we thank you that you are a good God that is in our struggle, that is in our brokenness. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray today that you have your way. Open our hearts and our minds to your eternal word. Get me out of the way, none of me and all of you, in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen, amen and amen. So here's the thing about a season. We don't get to pick our season. And here in Colorado, we really understand seasons because we have seasons every day, right? Like 70 degrees one day, 25 the next day, right? And, and I love the illustration of seasons because it's something that we can all relate to and understand that we don't get to pick our our season. We don't, we don't get to pick the, the weather, right? The weather comes. And, and if you're a sports person today, you don't get to pick your season, right? You didn't get to pick what type of season we would have with the Broncos this year. But you have to go through the season. You, 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 have to, you can prepare for the season, but you don't get to pick your season. And the reason why you don't get to pick your season is because our seasons are based on relationships that we have. And so maybe uh, today that you're, you're struggling with relationships at work, 
Or maybe your marriage, you're, you're struggling with your marriage. Or, or, or your family or friends. And, and we don't get to pick our season because most of the time that season is attached to the people that are in our life. But what we do get to pick, we do get to pick how that season impacts us. Because if we define our season by what we lost, we are missing the point of what we're supposed to be learning. If we're defining our seasons by what we lost, we're missing the point of what God is trying to teach us in our brokenness. When Jesus was led into the wilderness for 40 days, that season of Jesus' life is not defined by all the weight that he lost. No, that season for Jesus was defined by him. Now remember, he was fully God but also fully man, learning to rely on his Father and not to rely on people. Because people will always let us down. But God will never. There's a reason why he went into the wilderness by himself. And you want to talk about someone who knows the pain of people letting him down is Jesus. He preached to thousands. He healed thousands upon thousands of people. He had 12 close friends. And only one watched him die on the cross. So Jesus knows betrayal. He knows hurt. He knows pain. Whatever you're going through today, Jesus knows how you're feeling. But we cannot define the season of what we are going through by what we lost because that's what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to get his focus on the loss, the negativity in our life. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you've lost a spouse. Maybe you've got divorced recently. Maybe you lost a coworker or a friend. Satan wants to keep us in this place of, of, of loss, focusing on our loss, and he wants us to define whatever that season is by what we lost. But God wants us to define what we're learning. God wants us to find this season by the victory that he's going to bring yeah. us through. Yeah. Psalms 30, 4 through 5. The psalmist says this, Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Choosing joy doesn't minimize our grief. And you look at that passage, and you're like, that, that passage is kind of schizophrenic, Right? Weeping and joy, weeping at night, joy in the morning. But for some of you, that defines your, your, your season that you're in today. And it's okay to weep at night and choose joy in the morning. Why? Because we're human. One of my pastor friends wrote a book. It's called Pastors Are People Too. And I think sometimes we, we don't think pastors are people, that, that somehow we are robots, and somehow we, we are 
uh, you know, not subject to emotions and, and feelings and hurt. Let me tell you a secret. We are. And it's okay to weep at night and choose joy in the morning. And here's the hope. We've got signs outside the church that say, it's okay not to be okay. Come as you are. No perfect people allowed. But here's the thing about that passage. Okay? Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. It's okay not to be okay. God doesn't want us to stay that way. And here's the hope that the weeping gets a little bit less and choosing joy gets a little bit easier. If you're not weeping every night, maybe you're weeping six out of the seven days or, or, or five and it gets a little bit less and less and less. But choosing joy doesn't minimize our, our grief. Grief and mourning is actually uh, something that is healthy, something that we we need to do. Matthew 5, 4, Jesus says this, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. And I know this is, we're coming into a holiday season and some of you have lost family. Some of you have lost friends and this is not a joyous time, a season for you. This is actually a painful one. It brings up painful memories, memories maybe from your family, maybe growing up and, and mourning is a healthy process. Jesus says that when you mourn and you grieve, you will be comforted. It's actually another name for the Holy Spirit to be the comforter. He wants to comfort her. He wants to be allowed in to our, our, our current situation, into our current struggle. Because the Holy Spirit is the comforter. And so whatever we've lost, it's okay to mourn and process and grieve. It's actually something that's healthy. It's unhealthy when we don't, and we ignore those feelings, and we just harden our hearts, and we allow ourselves to become callous to our feelings. God wants us to process healthy through these feelings, and so during this time, whatever you're struggling with, don't isolate yourself, okay? Don't isolate yourself. Surround yourself with people that will encourage you through this difficult time. No matter what you're going through. Satan wants to isolate us and get us alone and, and, and be able to lie to us and, and keep us in our grief in our mourning season. And God wants to comfort us and give us victory through it. Isaiah 53, 3. He, who's he? Jesus, was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. This puts us all in the same category. All of us have rejected Jesus. All of us have fallen short. We all need this thing that none of us deserve. We can't earn it. This beautiful thing called grace. 
That's what Isaiah is telling us, that, that Jesus is a, a man of deepest grief, a man of sorrow. He, he died on a cross. He went through horrific torture and torment. He died on a cross for people who would never receive him or accept him, but he did it anyways. And so this, this levels the playing field. We've all fallen short of this beautiful gift called, called grace. We've all, at some point in time in our life, have rejected Jesus and turned away. I know from my life, I did for seven years of my life, I walked away from God. And I know the moment that I was ready to return, his arms were wide open to forgive me and wash away my past. Hebrews 12, 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So let's, let's look at this again, okay? Let's get that second sentence here. For the joy set before him. Okay, that, that word, set before. In, in, in the Greek definition of that word actually means in view of or in the presence so what does that tell us? That tells us that Jesus, on his worst day, joy was in his view. On his worst day, when he's getting beaten, he's getting scorched, he's, he, he's having thorns jammed on his, his skull, he's having nails uh, driven through his wrist and his, and his feet. His worst day, joy was present. In his life. What does that tell us? That tells us that we can go through difficult things but still choose joy. Joy is a choice. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit that is not attached to external circumstances. That we can have joy no matter what we're going through. And that doesn't minimize the, the, the struggle or the hurt or the pain, but we can choose joy. And we see that Jesus chooses joy in the most ter terrible moment of his life. Joy was present. Romans 8, 28. And we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God. To those who are called according to his plan and purpose. So what is the requirement to get a plan and a purpose from God? The requirement is, is that you love him. If you love God, he has a plan and a purpose for our life. Because he is deeply concerned about everything that we're going through and everything that we are going to go through. God has a plan for Passionate Life Church. He is deeply concerned about you in this church. He's deeply concerned. And he has a plan as long as we stay in love with Jesus, as long as we stay in love with God and we keep the main thing the main thing. God has a purpose and a plan for us. Jesus and his disciples 
And probably one of the most magnificent miracles as far as how many experienced this miracle at one time was the feeding of the 5,000. And, and many scholars believe there was much more people, if you counted women and children, probably around 15 to, to 20,000 people Jesus feeds uh, with, with a couple uh, loaves of bread and, and some fish. And so if, if you put yourself in that moment, what an amazing, like what a mountaintop moment that must have been for Jesus' disciples and for his people to experience something so supernatural happen. And so after this, this moment is where we're, we're going to pick up. After this, this moment with Jesus, Jesus has them get into a boat and cross to the other side. And so let's read it. Matthew 14, 22 through 33. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While he sent the people home, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. For a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. Okay, you're going to see in the moment that this wasn't just any storm that the disciples were entering into, that this was a spiritual storm. These guys, a lot of these guys grew up on the water. They were fishermen. And they could navigate storms using their own strength, using their own talent, using their own knowledge. They, 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 they could navigate the storm. But this storm was different. This storm was bringing something inside of them that we see was a spiritual attack on them in the middle of this boat where their talent and their skills was not helping them and would not help them navigate this storm. Let's continue. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in their fear. They cried out, it's a ghost. Now, that word ghost is ac actually an aberration, okay? And so what is happening in, in, in this and what is so interesting in this story is the disciples are allowing the storm that they're in to bring fear and to bring terror to the point where they can't see Jesus in the middle of the storm. How many times does this happen in our life? We're, we're in a storm of life. We're in a season of, of change and, and things are happening around us that we don't understand. And instead of looking for Jesus in the storm, we allow fear to blurry our vision. And so this is what the disciples are thinking as they're sitting in this boat, okay? And, and some of them were Pharisees and they had this belief that there was this she-demon named Lilith that would come at night and, and kidnap 
their children and take them away and kill them, okay? So instead of seeing Jesus in the midst of their storm, instead of seeing Jesus in the midst of their trial and their tribulation, they're seeing Lilith, the she-demon, who's coming to kill them. And many times when we go through season of change, we go through difficulty and we go through struggle, we default to worst case scenario. Because our whole culture that we're living in today is negative. Negative news gets more clicks, it gets more watches. Negative thumbnails get more clicks and watches. When we used to have newspapers, they used to have, you know, scary stories on the front page so people would buy the newspaper. For some reason, as humans, we like negativity. We're, we're, we're turned to, to, to negativity. And Satan loves to play on this. And so in the midst of their storm, Satan is bringing the spirit of fear into their hearts, into their minds, to the point where they can't see Jesus in the midst of the storm. Instead, they're seeing, worst case scenario, a she-demon who is going to come and kill them all. And this is what happens when, when we allow fear into our hearts and our minds. It blurs our vision. It blurs our vision and doesn't allow us to see Jesus. Let's continue. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. So he speaks to the very thing that's overtaking them. He says, take courage, I'm here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. So what does Peter do here? Peter asked Jesus for something. It's the same thing that we do when we pray and we petition God, we're asking God for something, right? And in this moment, Jesus answers Peter's prayer immediately. He says, yes, come, Jesus says. Jesus didn't suggest Peter get out of the boat. No, Peter asked Jesus if he could come out of the boat and meet him in the water. And so in this moment, Peter makes a prayer request. Jesus answers it. Let's continue. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, so he was terrified and began to sink. Okay, so he's taking his eyes off of who? He's taking his eyes off Jesus, and he's looking at the storm. He's looking at the storm that he's in. Church, the moment we take our eyes off of Jesus... And we begin to look at the storm and the waves, the things that are surrounding us in our life. We get distracted by the things of this earth. The moment we take our eyes off of Jesus, and that goes for all of us. We can't do it on our own strength. That's the point. What happens? He begins to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. Now, you would think this would be a different response from Jesus, right? Like, you would think that Jesus would compliment him on at least trying. 
hey, the other 11 knuckleheads, they never got out of the boat, but you did, right? You, you, you'd think that Jesus would compliment him at least on, on, on trying to come out, right? But look at how Jesus responds to him. He says, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? So Jesus rebukes Peter in, in this moment. And the reason why he rebukes Peter is because Peter asked Jesus. This was a prayer request that, that, that Peter asked Jesus to, to answer, and Jesus answered it. But instead of following through and being faithful in, in, in the storm, instead he begins to doubt God, the very God that is in his presence. Church, the promise is that Jesus will never leave us. He will never forsake us. No matter what you're going through today, no matter what you've gone through, no matter the pain and the hurt that you're in today, the promise is that Jesus is right there with his arms stretched wide. When they climbed back into the boat... The wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. And I want to end with this here today. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God. Revelation comes after the storm. Many times when we're in the middle of the circumstance, we're in the middle of the struggle, we're in the middle of the storm, we don't know what God is doing in the middle of it. Many times it's, it's after the storm that we receive revelation. You see, it was after the storm that the, the disciples received the revelation that Jesus really is the Son of God. He is who he says he is. And he has all power, even over the weather. And so, as we are in this season of change as a church, I don't have all the answers. But I know that revelation is coming. And I know revelation is coming for you in this, in this season of change, in this, this transition that, that God is leading and guiding us into a new season. And he's going to be right by our side. He's going to be right with us. And maybe we don't understand everything that God is doing, maybe in you and through you, but God does. And if you love him, you can trust that he's got a purpose and a plan for your life. And no matter what you're going through today, he knows exactly how you feel. He was the man of deepest sorrow. He was the man of deepest, experiencing deepest grief to the point where He's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's literally sweating drops of blood, which is literally the highest level of anxiety and stress a human being can experience. He knows what we're going through today. And I know the, 
this, this time can be stressful, and, and this, we're going into holidays can be, can be stressful, and, and being around family members, and, 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 and friends, and, and, and work parties, and I, I get that, and, and, and we spent... We're in a world and in a culture where, listen, Satan hates your family. He hates your marriage. He hates your kids, and he wants them. And we have to be aware that Satan is bringing storms into our life. And maybe you're, everything's good in your life today, and, and you're, 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 you're fine. And you're just kind of like going through the motions in, in this message. Listen, when you go through the storm of life, you're going to click back on this message. Because they will come. We live in a fallen world where Satan is constantly chasing after us and coming after us. But the good news is that we serve an all-powerful God who loves us intimately and will always lead us to victory. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes today. Maybe you'd say today, Pastor, I've never said yes to Jesus. And I need to today. I need to make that commitment to follow Jesus. Or maybe you've just been consumed by the things of this world. And you need to rededicate your life to Jesus, that you're going to follow Jesus all the days of your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This is your personal declaration of faith this morning. If that's you, just slip up your hand. I just want to pray with you today. Yep. 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 You can put them down. Thank you, Jesus. And I would just ask this morning that we'd help those making the greatest decision of their life today, that we'd repeat this prayer this morning after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I ask this morning that you would forgive me of all my sins. That you would come into my life and be my Lord and King. And from this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give them a hand clap today. Heaven is rejoicing.